Now, time for McNamara on Money, sponsored by McNamara Financial Services. Hi, this is Mike McNamara. I promise that whatever the topic is today, it will be very much worth your while to stay with us. I also promise to speak English and not use any fancy investment terms in an attempt to impress you. So what do we talk about on this show? We certainly discuss investment strategies and investments, but there are a whole bunch of other financial decisions that you need to make in your life that will ultimately determine your financial success. Examples are living within your means, managing your debt, having adequate insurance, paying for college, saving for retirement, having basic legal documents, researching social security, Medicare, and pension options, and planning for retirement. We think that everyone listening to this show should have a comprehensive written financial plan to guide you in living your life now and planning for a successful retirement. If you don't know what a comprehensive financial plan is, you definitely need to stay with us for the next two hours. Okay, here comes the legal stuff. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's not the case with callers we may speak with on this show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Callers need to check with their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions that we may make. At times on this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. This is the part where we have to say that investment returns are not guaranteed and that past performance does not guarantee future results. You probably know that, but we just want to make sure. So sit back and relax. Give us a call if you like at 781-837-4900. We promise to be polite and speak English. We plan on making the next two hours very much worth your while. It might even be fun. Good morning, Marshfield, and the rest of the South Shore of Boston. My name is Mike McNamara. This is McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. And by the way, Happy New Year to all of our listeners. May it be a good one. Okay, so we have a, a plan for this show. Uh, we always have a plan, uh, and um, the plan is uh, a numbers show. So we're going to spend the next couple hours... 
uh, talking about uh, n- numbers, okay, financial numbers related to, uh, you know, mostly investments and investing and some other things and taxes, but I'll also do some kind of fun numbers given the circumstances. So, uh, first of all, my co-host and sidekick this morning is uh, my bride uh, and uh, wife, Pamela. Good morning, and how are you today? Good morning. Just all right. fine. All righty. Okay, so, folks, uh, th- the way that we work uh, this show now is we're going to try to break it up into four different half-hour segments as best we can, uh, and that these segments uh, will be available for listening uh, on our website, okay? And and it's just a lot easier to for folks who want to maybe listen on something to target a half-hour site than a two-hour show and kind of wade through it. So, so we're going to try to divvy up this material into four equal parts uh, as best we can. Uh, and so we, we shall begin uh, the first podcast uh, of the numbers 2019 and uh, the first podcast and probably a bunch of the second one are going to be spent on income taxes federal and state and so the way we're going to work this is Pamela's going to ask me some questions and uh, and uh, interrupt as she feels comfortable uh, and I'm going to attempt to respond and hopefully we'll talk in English and uh, you guys will uh, think it's worth your while to listen to this show so okay my dear shall we begin sure okay so taxes have there been any significant changes in 2019? Uh, the answer for is... For 2019. Well, for 2019. The answer is, yeah, but the really big changes came in 2018, and we don't really know about them yet because most of us haven't filed our 2018 taxes yet. So so we had a, f- a fairly uh, major tax uh, change in, in 2018 that everybody will find out about, <laughs> you know, starting this April. Uh, but for 2019... There are also changes. By the way, the numbers that we do on the show, they go, may go back a year to 2018, kind of depending. But the, the biggest change uh, in, in the tax code uh, was that uh, the federal government has increased the standard deduction that people take, uh, and they've actually eliminated uh, a bunch of exemptions and things. Um, we have a very complicated tax code, but I will have to say that they've gone quite a ways towards making it simpler, if that's a good word, more simple, simpler uh, for a whole lot of people. Um, the, the, the standard deductions are huge, uh, and they should make uh, tax preparation for a whole lot of people, uh, pr- pretty uncomplicated. So if you're single, you have a $12,000 standard deduction uh, in 2018, and 2019 it's 12200 So what does that mean? So uh, if you're a single person, your, your, your gross income is, let's say, uh, $52,200. I'll make that easy. Okay. Uh, if you take a $12,200 exemption, presto, your taxable income is $40,000. Uh, bottom line is for a lot of people who itemized with regard to uh, property taxes, there are some limits on that. People who itemize with regard to deductible interest, there are limits on that. So I think a, a lot of people are going to find that in 2018 and 2019, um, you, you will not 
actually itemize deductions, it would be probably to your advantage to take the standard deduction. And uh, that applies for a whole lot of folks, by the way, ourselves included. We've had a fairly complicated tax return for a long time. It just got a whole lot simpler. So so big change is the standard deductions, 12,000 for last year, uh, 24,000 for last year, 2018, if you're a couple. Uh, and b- basically that gets adjusted for inflation every year so it goes a little higher, but that's huge. Okay. okay, so if you're a married couple with two children or doesn't doesn't make any difference how many nope. children you don't clear nope. de- you don't they, declare dependents. They did away with most exemptions and a bunch of other things. Uh, th- 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 a significant portion of the folks who have itemized deductions, I think, are going to find their life uh, less complicated. By the way, maybe a little better or worse, kind of depending on how much income you make, but certainly less complicated. I, I can't believe it, but we, we're going to have a relatively simple tax return in 2018. Anyway, uh, so, so, so that's the big change. A big standard deduction uh, kind of limits on what you could itemize. Uh, and then uh, the other thing that they did, which I thought was kind of cool, uh, is that um, they've changed the brackets to some extent, so I'll, I'll just kind of read them very quickly. Uh, the, the brackets, regardless of whether you're single or married, I mean, the numbers uh, change for, for income, but the brackets run 10%, 12%, 22%, 24%, 32%, 35%, and 37%. It's tough to do numbers over the radio, but those are the brackets. I'll, I'll just highlight the, the lowest uh, and, and the highest, okay? So uh, if your taxable income is, uh, if you're married and if your taxable income is less than $19,400, okay, you're in the 10% tax bracket. Okay, so let me do, and by the way, let me use the 2018 uh 24,000 even number just kind of because it's kind of tough to do over the radio but if your taxable income was 19,400 okay uh, if I if you took the standard deduction from 19,400 hang on a second 19,400 and if I added added the standard deduction you know if your income was $43,000 gross Okay, you're basically in the 10% tax bracket, folks. Okay, on the other side of that scale, if you're married, okay, uh, if your taxable income is more than 612,000, you're in the 37% tax bracket. So the tax brackets are the same regardless of whether you're single or married. What will change, okay, is the actual income. And the other thing that they did, which was kind of cool, there always used to be a marriage penalty in tax brackets or a long time ago, uh, oh. where people who are married actually paid a little bit more than people who were joint because they didn't kind of divide it and ha- they didn't take a single and double it. It's kind of whatever, but that that no longer exists. Uh, there's there's not a lot of distinction anymore whether you're single or married in terms of penalties about married filing separately, whatever. So, and again, we're not accountants at McNamara Financial, and, and I'm trying to keep this quite uncomplicated, but the bottom line is for a whole lot of people uh, who were previously itemizing deductions, your 2018 and 2019 and beyond tax returns probably will get simpler uh, because the standard deduction is significant 
and a lot of the other things that you might have been taking advantage of have kind of gone away. Did I explain that okay uh, so sure. far? Yeah, okay. So what you, it's kind of difficult to do uh, numbers on the radio, so I don't want to do a whole lot of it, but I want to keep it kind of that way. So simpler, um, m- maybe a little better, maybe a little worse, depending on, on your income, but it, at least it got m- m- less complicated, and I'm always for that. Okay, okay. how about your... What are your thoughts on taxes in general? Well, what's your feeling? You know, we. Uh, <laughs> well, you got to pay. You em. love them? I guess. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Okay, but you know the the uh, the city that you live in, the town, uh, the state that you live in, or the country that you live in, they, you know, they they do do th- some things for us to make a, uh-huh. you know, and and they've got to have income stream, and that's what taxes are. So, so you know, they're they're just they just come with the deal, okay, and living in a, a civilized society. But but there's a. Yeah, yeah. As a as a certified financial planner, and as somebody who who helps folks uh, with a whole lot of things, ta- taxes are certainly something you need to know some things about. So, I, I uh, the the single versus married penalties. That's nice, but I, I think the the most interesting th- uh, couple of things about taxes, from my point of view, is that almost everybody thinks that they're in a higher tax bracket than they actually are. You know, it's kind of I don't know. I think it's kind of in to complain about paying a whole bunch of taxes. I'm, I'm in a high t- tax bracket or whatever. But I, it, it's it's um, a fairly safe statement on my part uh, that your tax bracket is not as high as you think you are. Okay, and an, another way I think of saying that, okay, is that do you know actually? what you paid in taxes in any given tax year. So I, I think it's kind of funny, but uh, I would bet that, oh, 90 plus percent of the folks listening to us right now, uh, if I asked them what their federal tax bill for their last tax return was, uh, they don't know that answer. They'll say, "Well, I had to pay four hundred dollars, or I got nine hundred dollars back," and that that doesn't answer the question. The question is, you know, over the course of whatever tax year and whatever tax return you're looking at, okay, what was the total dollar amount that you paid Uncle Sam? Okay, there's precious few folks listening to us. Okay, who know that, and I think everybody should. I, you know, uh, it's one thing to complain about them, but it's another thing to be knowledgeable about them. And I, I'm not suggesting you do anything with that number, other than it's a very large bill that you pay every year. Probably besides your mortgage payment, maybe the biggest bill you pay every year. And I, I just think it makes great financial sense and awareness for people to know. Okay, what was your federal tax bill last year? On on top of that, okay, um, I I would say uh, that uh, if you don't know the federal tax, you probably don't know the Massachusetts tax as well, okay? And so the same question. So, you know, I don't know what you do with that information other than complain or be proud or whatever, but but I I, I think you should, you know, we're taxpayers, we support this country, we, we vote, we do this, we do that, the other thing. You know, people ought to know exactly what their tax bill is 
uh, and most people just don't know what the dollar amount is and don't know what your actual tax bracket is. Uh, that's just simple financial awareness and responsibility from my point of view. Did I explain that okay? Or sure. That, right, uh, okay. Okay. Uh, all right, so let me move along here, okay? So other, I think, general thoughts um, is that, uh, you know, in the past, and this may change, but in the past, um, I, I think people have almost worried too much about taxes, okay? Um, you know, I need to lower my tax bill. I, you know, I, I, I need to save some money on taxes. Um, I, I think, you know, the, the general comment is that you don't want to let the tax tail wag the dog in terms of whatever financial decisions that you make. Um, in, in years past, I've had folks come in and say, you know, my mortgage is paid off. I, I don't have any tax deductions. Should I put a mortgage on my house and have a tax deduction or do something like that? And my answer is no. Okay. Um, if, you know, t the, the tax deductions cost money, okay, and you know, you, you, you don't want to get carried away with trying to just act completely to save taxes because it might not be a, a very good financial decision to do so. Uh, very quickly, I'll do a, a real simple example. Let's see if I have a $100,000 mortgage. Uh, and again, I'll use generic numbers, folks. This is the radio show. But uh, if, if you have a $100,000 mortgage at 4%, that's $4,000 uh, worth of taxable interest in a year. Okay, well, so in years past, you would put that $4,000 on your scheduled itemized deduction schedule A, $4,000, and your income would shrink by $4,000. So, so if your income shrank by $4,000 and you were in the 25% bracket, you saved $1,000 in taxes Okay, with that $4,000 interest deduction. Oh, oh, I'm all excited. I saved some tax dollars. Well, yeah, but it cost you $3,000 in interest. Okay, you know, it, it, would you spend $4,000 on interest to save $1,000 on taxes if you had a choice? And I'm pretty sure most, most people would decline for that. So, so the tax deductions make borrowing money less costly but it's not something folks should go out and look for for tax deduction. Don't get don't get carried away with that. And I think with the changes in this tax code, I, I think there'll be less and less of people worrying about that going forward because deductions are just kind of smaller to begin with. Okay. Okay. Um, a, a, another thing uh, that I, I I get a chuckle out of. Uh, is that, and we'll talk about this when it comes to retirement plan numbers here in a little while, but uh, I, I get uh, people who are, you know, in retirement and they're looking forward to being in a lower tax bracket. And I, I just have to chuckle, uh, you know, about that. And, and I've had this discussion probably eight or 10 times a year. Okay, if, if one of your retirement goals, folks, should not necessarily to be in a lower tax bracket. I, I, I think a a retirement goal should be in the highest possible tax bracket you can be, okay? And people kind of look at me like I have three eyes. Uh, I'll, I'll just do a little quick example, then we'll skip on to uh, some capital gains type stuff here. So, so by the way, um, I'm going to do um, some, um, some married folks, okay, with a uh, 168000 
$400 worth of taxable income. I'm just going to do a pretend tax return. So married couple together, okay, earns $168,400, okay. Their taxes, I did a rough calculation, folks, came to a little over $23,000. So they're in the 22% bracket? that's, That's correct, okay. Okay, so, so so it's very simple. Earn 168, pay 23 in taxes, keep 145. Okay. Okay. All right. So I'm in the 22% bracket. I feel good about that. Okay. If I'm in the 37% bracket, by the way, the the, the minimum is $600,000. So by the way, if you earn 650,000, okay, you paid 169,000 dollars in taxes. Okay, not $23,000. Oh, okay, so, okay, so somebody who earns $650,000 pays, what, uh, four, six or seven times more taxes, okay, than somebody who's in the 22% bracket. Yeah, well, but if you earn six fifty, pay $169, you got 480 left. You know, so, so here's the, the mathematical question, pretty easy. Would you r- rather earn 168 and keep 145, or would you rather earn 650 and keep 480? The bottom line is I would always vote for the higher tax. So this sounds a little perverse, but congratulations if you're paying lots of money in taxes, folks. There's a pretty good chance your income is significant as well. Okay? Okay. All right, I think I'm finished up on that score okay. there, dear. So. Here's your next question. Have there been any changes in capital gains rates? However, before you talk about that, explain <laughs> capital gains. Good, good point. Okay, thank you for that. I'm going to have to make a note about that. Okay, so a capital gain is you made a profit on something. Uh, and, you know, if you bought a stock for $10 and sold it for 20 well, you had a $10 gain, and Uncle Sam wants a piece of that, as does the state of Massachusetts. Okay, so when you say when you bought something, yeah. are you talking about financial instruments, well, could, or could it be other great, things? Great question. It could be other things. It's it's usually either financial instruments or real estate, property. Okay. Okay, and by the way, there's a little different treatment on property if it's a primary residence, we'll come into that, versus an investment property or a vacation home or something like that. So primarily homes. And primarily financial, you know, uh, stocks, not not often bonds, and it's just gains. Okay, so so a capital gain is is you only have one when you actually realize it. If you paid ten bucks for the stock and it's twenty and you didn't sell it, it's still a free country. You, you have a, a an unrealized gain. You haven't taken it yet. You haven't sold it to do so. Okay, okay so, so if you have a a portfolio with a variety of mutual funds, you're Aren't you always going to have gains going on because they're buying and selling these things, or is it a certain time of year? Uh, you, will, you will hopefully have capital gains every year, but, but not every year given the circumstances. And so, okay. yeah, people who have taxable portfolios, you know, it's a joint account, husband and wife own, and we have one of those, or it's an individual account. Yeah, if it's not hidden inside of an official retirement plan, uh, th- okay. then there's probably some capital gains taxes on it. Okay, so, so the capital gains brackets have changed. And again, we're going to do a separate thing on primary residences, folks. So so if you're thinking about real estate property and capital gains, it's either an investment property or a second home, okay, uh, usually that would be subject to that. But anyway, okay, uh, there are no capital gains if you're, if you're single and your income is less than 39000 or if you're married and your income is less than 78000 
Okay. Okay. You're in the 15% capital gains bracket. Okay. If you're single, if your income, I'm going to round this off, folks, is between 40000 and 434000 And if you're married, between 78000 and 488000 Okay. And congratulations, you've made it to the 20% capital gains rate. Okay. If you're single, and your taxable income is more than 434000 And if you're married, it's more than 488 By the way, they did do a marriage discrepancy penalty here. But anyway, that, but so the bottom line is, uh, you know, the, unless you're literally a married couple uh, earning more than $80,000 a year, okay, you're, you're no more than, you know, the, the 15% capital gains bracket. But it's something to think about, Okay. Okay. And oh, and one other thing, you know, whatever your income is, if you have a ten thousand dollar gain, that gets added to your income. So that may change your bracket. You know, it's you may be exactly at the top of the fifteen percent capital gains bracket. Okay. But if you have a capital gain that takes you higher, you might step into the twenty five percent bracket. So you, you you need to talk with an accountant sometimes so about how close you they, might get to that. You know. Okay. So when you say that, they're not taxing that money. Twice, are they? I mean, you're going to pay the capital gain, and now your tax bracket's higher, so you're going to have higher tax? Uh, no. Is but, that like doubling No, it? but it, it, it could, if you had a capital gain that was large enough, it could take you into a higher tax bracket, okay, and pay more taxes. So, yeah, it, it, I mean, if you make more, they're going to tax more, I guess, if you call that penalty. So they're going to tax the, so are they going to tax the capital gain and? And that, higher income. And higher income. Yep. Well, I'm not buying any investment property. <laughs> or not sell, anyway. One, <laughs> not sell. One, one way or another, right? Yeah. Buy, oh. buy, buy or not sell. Pick one. Oh. Uh, and then let's see here. Uh, oh, yeah. So so that's it on uh, capital gains. And again, most common would be stocks and mutual fund stocks and vacation homes and investment properties. Okay. But not. But not house sale? Yeah. Okay, pri- primary residences. It's a little different Okay, if you have a home. And this has been the case for quite some time. This was not in the last tax go-round here. But anyway, so, and, th- and this can be confusing. And again, this is the radio. I'm doing the kind of the big picture description on this, folks. Okay, I don't want to, okay. okay. And again, if you get into details, go talk to your CPA or accountant. That's why you have them. But so the bottom line is. Okay, if, let me stop you here before you go on. Yep. Are you talking about a house sale on a primary residence or in an, or in a secondary? Pr- primary residence, that's the only kind of residence we're talking about. Okay. And by the way, the rules are. It's your primary residence if you've been in there two of the last five years. Okay. Okay. So sometimes if you own two properties, you could do a little jiggling and, you know, sell your primary residence and not have a gain and then move to a second second your second home and the clock would tick all over again but that's so like, there were, okay so there are ways to work yeah there's some ways to saying legal it. ways yeah, but, to do but it. anyway if you're a single person with a primary residence okay uh two years out of the last five you are forgiven the last the first two hundred and fifty thousand dollars of gain on the property okay, okay. Uh, and if you're a married couple you are forgiven the first 
$500,000 of gain on the property. So whatever you paid for your home, by the way, you buy this home, and if it's your primary residence, there are some improvements that you can make to it, like adding a garage or an extended room on the side of the house. There are some IRS-approved improvements that would add to the cost of your home. So if you spent $400,000 for a home and built a $50,000 garage, your home cost you $450,000. So you take what you paid for the house, you take legally approved IRS improvements you added to that, in this case, 450. If you sell the house for anywhere up to, if you're single, okay, you can sell that house for up to $700,000 and not have a gain. 450 plus 250. Okay, and if you're married, you can sell that house for up to 950,000 have not have a gain. So, let's face it, for for most people that's like not an issue. Okay? Okay. Let's take a break. Hey papa, it's time for a break and you have to stop talking. Should I worry about this market volatility? Hi, this is Mike McNamara with McNamara Financial Services in Marshfield. Most folks don't have a good understanding of their investments or investment strategy. Well, if you would like to do a little homework, we'll be happy to give you our thoughts on your investments. No strings attached. It's worth an hour of our time to have the opportunity to meet you. 781-834-2010 or McNamaraFinancial.com. This is the South Shores Radio Station, 95.9 WATD. This is Kirk Reed from McNamara Financial. I often get asked, when should I start collecting Social Security? It's not always a quick question to answer, but an important one. If you'd like to have a conversation about your situation, give me a call at 781-834-2010 or check out McNamaraFinancial.com. This is Mike McNamara. This show is for folks who want to get more educated about their financial affairs. We figure that's just about everyone listening. If you have a financial advisor, hopefully our discussions will make you feel that you're being well cared for. If you don't have a financial advisor, hopefully our discussions will be helpful to you in finding a good one. By the way, we think everyone should have an independent financial advisor who is a certified financial planner practitioner and who at all times acts as a fiduciary on behalf of their clients. That means always acting in the client's best interest. Always. That is our humble and biased opinion. McNamara Financial Services is an independent financial planning and money management firm with offices in Marshfield and Chelmsford, Massachusetts. We are a family business. My son Justin, daughter Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and son-in-law Kirk Reed are my business partners. Justin, Alyssa, Kirk, and I are all certified financial planner practitioners. Alyssa, Kirk, and Justin will host just about half of the McNamara on Money radio shows over the course of this year. The senior partner, that would be me, will host the other half of those shows. I have been doing this radio show since 1990 and figure I deserve a Saturday off every once in a while. McNamara Financial Services is a registered investment advisor that means that we are required by law to act as fiduciaries for our clients at all times. Even if it wasn't a law, we think it's a good way to run a business. So, sit back and relax. Give us a call if you like at 781-837-4900. We promise to be polite and answer your questions in English. It might even be fun. Hi, we're back. This is McNamara on Money. 
the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. And we're talking about taxes, all kinds of taxes, I guess. There's, it's a never-ending discussion. <laughs> and way, it's okay to sit here. Oh, yes. This is PMO. Yeah. Reflected in your page. That's it. I'm not, I'm not used to that, yeah, saying that. that. Okay, so um, you... I guess since a month or so ago, have have decided to break your break the program up into four sections for podcasting purposes. Yep, and so the, so this is going to be a half hour in itself, kind of a little show, folks. Okay, and it's going to be podcast number two of of twenty nineteen numbers, and very quickly. We're going to talk about how Social Security income is taxed, about uh, inheritance or death taxes, about Massachusetts taxes, and uh, about Social Security taxes, and what else here? And then, uh, let's see. So those, so I'm pretty sure we can easily take up to a half an hour to do all that stuff, but those are the topics in this Section. So once again, uh, Social Security and Massachusetts taxes, folks. Okay? Okay. So let's talk about Social Security income and how that's taxed. All righty. Well, folks, if you have Social Security income, it may be taxed. Okay? And so it generally works. Uh, by the way, folks, this is a call-in talk radio show. Uh, if you have a question or a comment about anything uh, that we're chatting about here, our telephone number is 781-837-4900. Um, anyway, so uh, Social Security. So again, um, I'm not an accountant by training, but I certainly understand a chunk of taxes and tax law because I have to for my business. But okay, if you are single and your earnings are over $25,000, about half, well, half of your Social Security is going to be taxed. And if you're single and your earnings are over $34,000, okay, about 85% of your Social Security is going to be taxed, okay? If uh, a married couple and Social Security, if the Social Security earnings are over 32000 that's a 50% tax, 50 of it be taxed. And if your earnings are over 44, that's 85% taxed, okay? So 85% of it is taxable income. Yeah. Okay, and now- Okay, and is that, is the, is the rate for taxing Social Security just a standard percentage for everybody? Okay, it, it dep- well, well, by the way, that's a good question. <clears throat> I, I sat down for a little while and, and read a little further on this basically got a headache and stopped, okay? <laughs> okay, uh, the calculations to, to figure out what you have to pay for taxes on your Social Security are mind-boggling, and I can do math reasonably well. So talk to your CPA as well, I'll, I'll officially uh-huh. say. They're, they're, they're truly mind-boggling. Uh, but, but anyway, okay, uh, th- these are older provisions, and I want you to think about this. So if you're single... Your earnings over 25 are taxed at 50%, but if you're married, earnings over 32 are taxed at percent. Why isn't it earnings over 50? Because, you know, if you took two times 25, it would be $50,000, but it's not. So these are some of the old leftover provisions where you, in effect, get penalized if you're married. 
you know, think about it. Single person, you're in the 50, 50% of your Social Security taxes is, pa- is taxed if you're 25000 Well, wouldn't you think it would be 50000 if you were married? Yeah. Well, it's not. It's thirty two, sort of a thing. So, I don't know. I think, oh. think somebody ought to get on that personally, but whatever. Yeah. What so about any- inheritance and death taxes? Then? Yeah, okay. Uh, and again... I didn't know whether to use inheritance or death, so I decided I'd kind of put them both in, sure. you know, because whatever. Okay. So th- this is a, a pretty confusing area uh, of of the world here. Uh, but, but honestly, it doesn't apply, okay, to a whole lot of people. So kind of let me go over the, the, right. the big picture here. So, so I'm going to spend some time on the federal inheritance tax situation okay and it's pretty uncomplicated if you're a single person and have 5.7 million dollars of stuff or less when you die okay there are no taxes to be paid to the federal government okay (laughs) i just made (laughs) well by the way, that's double if you're married. If you're right, a, if you're a married <laughs> if you're a married couple, okay. If you both die in a plane, boat, or train simultaneously tomorrow, and all of your stuff, money, okay, property is less than eleven point four million dollars, mm. your kids, I guess, will be happy because you don't have any tax. <laughs> I mean, you're dead. You don't know about that, but but uh, you don't have any taxes due oh, on okay. your money. Okay. Well, you know, we're sitting here with our little, with our little and Dash, and his head <laughs> perked up when you started talking about inheritance taxes uh-huh, because okay. he's very concerned about what he's going to be left with. Don't well, worry, Dash. You're in the will, Dash. Okay, <laughs> just in case you outlive us, but I don't think so. At least I hope not. Uh, any, anyway, so so honestly, okay, a, a pretty significant portion of America uh, does not have to worry about federal death taxes because okay. you got to be worth a lot of money. Okay. Now, I know this isn't the topic, but it's cert- but it varies from state to state, right? They, um, they have well, inheritance well, okay, taxes. Okay, so, yeah, so uh, for a minute, let's talk about Massachusetts. Yeah, good point. Okay, so that's not the case at the state level. And in Massachusetts, okay, you, you have a million-dollar exemption per okay. person okay upon demise okay so if a, you know if, if you die with less than a million dollars of stuff you have no estate taxes if you okay. die with more than a million dollars worth of stuff there are some state taxes due uh, and the scale runs up to like 16 percent okay so, so right. There's probably a, a whole lot more people who have a Massachusetts uh, death tax yes. penalty than have a federal gains, a federal death tax penalty. Okay, I, I, I want to cycle back for a moment uh, to the federal, just just for a moment or two. Okay, um, b- by the way, they have changed that federal inheritance tax about five times since I've been in this business in the last 35 or 40 years, okay? <laughs> so you can only speak about what is now, but and, and it's great because, you know, the dead can't protest, okay, or vote, given whatever's going to happen. But, but th- there's something that's tied in with that federal uh, tax that we need to talk about, and it's called the gift 
exclusion. Okay, and this, well, we just did a little of this, so we kind of know that personally. Okay, so, so, uh, I, and I get this all the time. Okay, um, somebody will, that I'll meet for the first time will say, you know, can I give money uh, to, to my kids? And, and my answer is sure. Well, aren't there some limitations about how much money I can give to my kids? And my answer is no. It's still a free country. You can give all your money to your kids if you want to. However, there may be some death tax consequences. Okay, if you happen to be in that federal estate, federal number, that 5.7 million sort of a thing, okay? So I, I, it, this doesn't apply, but I need to explain it because people okay. should do it anyway. Okay, so right now, okay, so, so let's pretend we have a single person to make it really easy, okay? And that single person is 85 years old in poor health and is worth exactly... $5.7 million, okay? Mm-hmm. If, if they die, okay, they, there's no tax consequences, okay? Um, if, and this is just a silly example to illustrate the point, okay? Well, let's assume that that person is worth $5,715,000. You're 15000 more okay. o- over that limit, Okay. Well, if that person dies, okay, there's, they have to go through an estate tax return. There's going to be $15,000 subject to a death tax. Now, it's a small number, but I just trying to make yeah. the point. Okay. So, okay, there is a way to, for somebody who wishes to, to, do, to fix that. Okay. So that, so that person, anybody, can give $15,000 right now to anyone. Okay, without any strings attached. I mean, you know, we, we if we gave our if that person gave their only child fifteen thousand dollars, there's no income tax consequences. That was after tax money. I, 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 we give somebody money, we don't get a tax deduction. They get a gift, they don't pay income taxes. However, okay, if we give if that person here gave that fifteen thousand away, now they have no estate tax. Okay, right. so so a person who's thinking about end of life. You need to be on top of that with your accountant yeah, because yeah. you'd need to know so, so why would yeah. yeah. so that per, if, if that person knew that, we'll say, well, why wouldn't I give my kid $15,000 and call it a day? Well, well, you could. Okay, and so there's a, if, if you give that child $15,000, you don't have to do anything, all right? So let me change the example. That person has $5,720,000, They've only right. got one kid. They can give okay. the 15. Well, now they want to give them 20. Okay. Well, the limit is 15,000. Okay. You can give them 20, but it, it's perfectly legal to do that. But then you just have to file a gift tax return telling Uncle Sam, hey, I gave away $20,000. Okay. And what Uncle Sam will do is, you know, that $5.7 million credit. Because okay. you went five over that fifteen thousand oh. dollars, now you have five million six hundred and ninety-five thousand. They they took away anything you give over the fifteen thousand. They take away from your pot at the end, sort of a thing. So so the whole deal is 
You can give any amount of money to any kid you want anytime, okay? But if it happens to be more than $15,000 per person in an individual year, you should file a gift tax return. There are no tax consequences. You're just telling Uncle Sam I gave the money. Now, again, for the vast majority of people, that doesn't matter if you did that because they're not okay. worth five points, but but they might be sort of a thing. So it's just kind of yeah. a good practice sort of a thing. So is there, what about on the other side? What about the person you gift it to? Do they have a tax consequence no, on that and, money? And this, and this is <clears throat> always a subject of confusion. If we've got $15,000 in the bank, we already paid taxes on it. Yes. So if we give that 15000 to uh, Adam, our oldest son, okay, we don't get a tax deduction for giving him our money, and he doesn't have to pay taxes oh. on it because there was taxes already paid on that money. Okay. It's still a free country. You only pay taxes once on the same chunk of money. Okay. All right. So the so the <clears throat> the annual gift exclusion. Yep. This year's fifteen thousand dollars. All right. So for for a. For a, a lot of people, it's, it's a really waste. meaningless. It's a waste of time to do it, right? If you're close to that 5.7 million figure or 11.4, you want to be mindful of that. And by the way, people with those kinds of dollars are pretty much mindful okay. of it anyway. Okay. So, but the the real deal is, folks, you know, unless you're worth 5.7 single or you know 11.4 married. Okay, you, you, you could always give away as much as you want to any kid anytime, anywhere, sort of a thing, with no income tax consequences. Uh, it's just a question of whether or not you were exposed in terms of your assets right. to take tax, okay? So, so <clears throat> even is it necessary or a good idea to file that gift exclusion if you don't think you're going to be up to, you're going to be uh, leaving you know, them $5.7 million? Sure. Uh, being the prudent person I am, I would say do it just in case you inherited the lottery somewhere down the oh, line, okay. you know, or you had an inheritance that kind of just came out of the blue clue. D- right. d- doesn't hurt to do it sort of a thing, okay? Okay. All right, so, so, so that's, the, that's the federal gift tax, and then the Massachusetts one is a million, and you gotta be a little bit more cautious about that. So, okay, uh, and again, so lots of times, uh, I'll get, we have folks who have multiple homes, us being an example of that. And some states don't have estate taxes like Florida, and some states mm-hmm. do like Massachusetts, okay? And sometimes people go back and forth about, well, should I move out? Well, yes. it's, it's a discussion, but I go back to, you know, you don't want to let the tax tail wag the dog. You know, if you find out you're subject to a $40,000 Massachusetts uh, death tax, okay, yes. and you have to rearrange your life and go live someplace you don't want to or do something, you know, that compromises your lifestyle, then, then don't let the tax, you know, you're dead. It doesn't matter sort of a thing. So it's another one of those. When you're making decisions about taxes, right. make sure okay. that you don't get carried away with it. It's got to feel good to, to save well, those dollars. And, okay? I, and I think another thing is, you're right, it doesn't matter to you at that point. But I think some people worry so much about like their children. <clears throat> oh, no, let, let me stay here for six months. Yep. Because then when I die, there'll be yeah. forty more thousand dollars. Well, that's for, that's for their that. choice. You know, my, right. I, I, we we all we, we always tell folks when we're doing some planning. Look, we just give you the information. We give you the you know what's going to happen, and you get to decide how you want to do it, sort of thing. So as yeah. long as people are 
aware of all the necessary information to make a decision, go for it with whatever decision you make. You know, not our job to tell you how to prioritize your life, but right. it is Just our job to explain about, to you yeah. how the math works. That's all. Okay. All right. So I want to spend some time now on Massachusetts, okay? So so we Ugh. left the federal gift tax, which is confusing, but again, there are not a whole lot of people listening to us that that okay. matters. Okay. So now we're talking about Massachusetts. Okay. So Massachusetts pretty much piggybacks on the federal tax return, okay? And so uh, your taxable income, pretty much, okay, uh, is very similar. Okay, Massachusetts income tax, 5.05%. So there are no brackets, thankfully. It's a flat 5.05%, okay? The the, uh, Massachusetts, okay, does have capital gains taxes, Okay, and a short-term gain, that's a profit that you took less than a year. I bought a stock on Wednesday and sold it next three months from now. Short-term capital gains, less than a year, it's uh, 12% tax. And the long-term capital gains rates, something that you sold after you owned it for a year, is 5.2%, okay? Uh, And then the estate tax, Again, we, we, we've been over that. That's a million bucks. So Massachusetts income tax, for all practical purposes, 5%. And you do have some capital gains surprises on the Massachusetts side, depending on your circumstances. Okay. Uh, and the estate tax, okay, is a, the exemption is what it's called, is a million bucks per person. Okay. Okay. So, a mil- so is that a million per person so if it's 2 million if you're married yep okay okay yep how about capital taxes on selling a home Okay, um, the, the, uh, no, they, they mirror the federal government's rules, okay? So, the, you know, the, the exclusion for 250000 if you're single and the exclusion for five hundred if you're married. By the way, I forgot to mention, so if you're married and you buy a home and you've got this $500,000 exemption, okay, if one of the spouses dies along the way but the remaining spouse still lives in the house, They'll adjust that exemption for the death. Again, don't okay. want to get into that, but there's okay. an adjustment that's made to reflect, you know, one person versus two. Okay? okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so Massachusetts is fairly straightforward, and pretty much they piggyback on the federal government for m- many kinds of issues. Okay. Okay. Social Security taxes. Okay. This is a fun one, okay, Uh, because, well, there are probably more people that know how much they pay in Social Security taxes than than federal estate taxes, but still still not a lot, okay? So so here are the rules, folks. It's pretty uncomplicated. Uh, There is a 6.2% Social Security tax on a worker. And by the way, they, that's the employee. <clears throat> and for that same employee, the employer pays six point two percent. Okay, <laughs> so you know to make it easy, if, if there's a hundred thousand dollar salary, okay, sixty two hundred dollars, you pay in social security taxes. And by the way, your employer, and being an employer, I understand all about paying the other half of people's social security taxes also pays 6.2%. 
So that's kind of the way it works. Um, if you're a self-employed person or newly self-employed, you are the employer and the employee, and you pay double, 12.4. You pay both sides of that equation. Um, every couple of times a year, I meet some new folks who are self-employed or just got self-employed and didn't know they were supposed to do that. You know, mostly they're consultants. Oh. We have some retired folks who okay. became consultants, and all of a sudden, yep. they did. They only paid half as much, and so it's just really <laughs> kind of funny. Yeah, but anyway, so so Social Security taxes, everyone who breathes and contributes to Social Security, it's 6.2%, but there's a limit on that, okay? And that limit is up to $132,900 in income, okay? So if you make more than that, you don't pay Social Security beyond that cap, okay? So that's 6.2%. Let's face it, there's a whole bunch of folks listening to us who pay Social Security taxes, Sure. And, and and you pay it all the way up to this year, one hundred and thirty-two thousand nine hundred dollars. Okay. 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 The second part of that social security tax is is basically a Medicare tax. Okay, and I don't even want to get into the pickle we're in from a Medicare program. We're just talking about the taxes, but it's one point four five percent, and again. That's that's the employee and the employer, okay? So so and there's no cap on that limit, okay? So if you made a million dollars, you're paying one point four five percent. So folks, so so here's the tab. If I put the two of them together, okay, six point two. I'm the employee. 1.45, okay, 6.2 Social Security, 1.45 Medicare, well, that's 7.65%. So as long as you're figuring out what your taxes are, after you find out what your federal total tax was, you should peak, after you know what your Massachusetts total tax is, I would respectfully submit that you figure out what your Medicare and Social Security taxes are, just so that you know, okay, I have no agenda there politically whatsoever other than, you know, we, everybody should keep track of their finances and their financial situation, and these are numbers that you should know, okay? Oh, okay. <laughs> the headache. <laughs> well, yeah, I, uh, it, it's, uh, it's a lot of money. You, you just kind of hope that they, they do it very well, okay, and use the money, but, yeah, one of those things. So, so if you think yeah. about it, so... So, uh, yeah, let me, I think I have time to do this. All right, this. so just let me oh. recap this. Sure, so if sure. you make, let's say you make $130,000 or 200000 jointly. Yeah. Okay. Well, it'll be, okay, is it, so, is it 100 each? Uh, no. You have to break that out for me, okay? Well, it says here, single okay. and joint. Okay, so let's yeah. say you, so up to that point, six don't, don't point, yeah. 6.2. Two percent. Two percent is going to be taken off the top. All right, out of your paycheck. All right, and put away for Social Security. Correct. Okay, so that's pre-tax dollars. Mm -hmm. And then when you start taking Social Security... Got to pay some of the then taxes. Then you're going to pay there. some of the taxes on that. Yeah. Okay. And, and by the way, when you think about it, when you pay your taxes, you didn't get to subtract your Social Security taxes. 
In other words, you mean from your federal? Yeah, from your from your income total. Oh. Ah. They do think of everything, don't they? <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm not sure about that. How much can we squeeze yeah, out yeah, of that? If they thought stone. of everything, we'd probably be in a little bit better financial shape. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I, I wanted to do. A, I have just enough time, I think, to do this. So I, I wanted to kind right. of do a simple example. You have four and, minutes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I can we'll do this. Keep you well, on the clock here. Well, okay. Well, maybe. Okay. Uh, <laughs> anyway, and and again, uh, people should know what your tax bill is. That's that's just it. Okay. So anyway, so I, I did a simple example here to illustrate a point. No, it's not perfect, and you might be a little bit more complicated than this, folks, but hey, I'm a simple guy. So let's pretend that we have $120,000 of gross income, and both spouses are on Social Security. Okay? All right. Okay. So, so let's see. So I'm, I'm going to do my tax return. I'm going to do it for 2019. Okay, I show 120,000 of joint income. I take my 24,400 standard deduction because it's a better deal than itemizing, and my taxable income is now $95,600. Okay? All right. That puts you in the 22% bracket, just in case you're curious. And and I'll, let me explain about graduated brackets if I have time. But anyway, so you're in the 22% bracket. Okay, so your federal tax is $12,749. Okay? Okay. Your Massachusetts tax, okay, is $5,773. Okay. Yes. Your Social Security tax is $7,440, and your Medicare tax is $1,740. All right, so let me read those four notes. So you got $120,000 worth of income. Okay, the Feds, $12,749, Massachusetts, $5,773, Social Security, $7,440, Medicare, $1,740 total. $27,702. So of your $120,000 gross income, your total tax bill is 27702 If I divide that by your income, you paid 23.1% of what you're earned in taxes. Again, n- n- neither good uh, nor bad. Okay. Ju- just a statement of fact given the circumstances. Yeah. Okay. W- one more thing. Those tax brackets for the federal government that I talked about. Oh, you're on. Okay. We <laughs> take the dog. Okay. <laughs> we have I think, a little dog. Excuse uh, me. Th- those federal tax brackets, folks. Okay. They're called graduated. And so y- y- on your first X amount of dollars, you pay 10%. And then if it gets a little bigger, you jump into the next bracket, the next bracket. So you don't pay. If you're in the 22% bracket, that's on your last dollars, not your first dollars. And so you, you got to look at your average tax return to make that work. Okay, so uh, this is a good time to take a break with barking dogs. And I'm just about at the end of the uh, thing here. So we're going to take a break and uh, we'll be right back. Hey, Papa, we have to take a break now. And Mommy says that you can contribute to my college savings plan anytime you want. The South Shore's breaking news, weather, and traffic station. WATD FM Marshfield. WATD Brockton. 
This is Alyssa McNamara-Reed with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. When I hosted the most recent Smart With Money Fair for the Marshfield High School seniors, we went through an exercise comparing investing an amount of money over 40 years versus investing that same total amount of money over 20 years. The end result for the person who saved longer was more than twice the amount of the other person's. This is a hypothetical exercise, of course, but the point remains, save early and save often. If I can help you save early and often, visit our website at McNamaraFinancial.com. You own a business, or you're running a nonprofit or a municipality, and you just might be somewhat overwhelmed with all the changes in state health care law, federal mandates, rules governing retirement, employee benefits. For instance, do your employees understand the value and costs of their current benefits? Oh, and by the way, what about tomorrow's changes in state and federal policy? Keeping up is a full-time job. You have better things to do. Gallagher Benefits of Boston and Quincy are benefits experts. To be somewhat formal, Gallagher Benefits offers strategic consulting that assists employers in providing wellness and health promotion programs and offers advisory services to provide insight, understanding, and answers. Let Gallagher handle the headaches. Visit the web at ajg.com. Leave the aspirin on the shelf. AJG.com. This is Kirk Reed from McNamara Financial. I often get asked, when should I start collecting Social Security? It's not always a quick question to answer, but an important one. If you'd like to have a conversation about your situation, give me a call at 781-834-2010 or check out McNamaraFinancial.com. Now, time for McNamara on Money, sponsored by McNamara Financial Services. Hi, this is Mike McNamara. I promise that whatever the topic is today, it will be very much worth your while to stay with us. I also promise to speak English and not use any fancy investment terms in an attempt to impress you. So what do we talk about on this show? We certainly discuss investment strategies and investments, but there are a whole bunch of other financial decisions that you need to make in your life that will ultimately determine your financial success. Examples are living within your means, managing your debt, having adequate insurance, paying for college, saving for retirement, having basic legal documents, researching social security, Medicare, and pension options, and planning for retirement. We think that everyone listening to this show should have a comprehensive written financial plan to guide you in living your life now and planning for a successful retirement. If you don't know what a comprehensive financial plan is, you definitely need to stay with us. Okay, here comes the legal stuff. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's not the case with callers we may speak with on this show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Callers need to check with their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions that we may make. At times on this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. This is the part where we have to say that investment returns are not guaranteed and that past performance does not guarantee future results. 
You probably know that, but we just want to make sure. So sit back and relax. Give us a call if you like at 781-837-4900. We promise to be polite and speak English. It might even be fun. This is McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. This is Pamela McNamara sitting in with Mike this morning, and we're talking taxes. And before we get started, uh, let's do a shout-out to the Marshfield Food Pantry. They need our help. Uh, this community resource reaches out to many, many people in our community. So please help them with a donation of food or money Tax-deductible donations can be sent to the Marshfield Food Pantry, P.O. Box 1907, Marshfield, Mass. 02050. Or you can drop off your donate donations at the food pantry's new. Um, what would you call it? New location. New location at the uh, Library Plaza. So uh, coming up here on McNamara on Money next week. It will be the Smart With Money Fear Show. Uh, the Smart With Money... That doesn't sound right, but is that the way it is? Smart With Money Fear, That's I guess. what she it's, it's, it's kind of jumbly. Okay. My dog is back. Hello. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> it it's, uh, goes on every year for the senior class at Marshfield High School, and it will be held on Wednesday, January 30th at Eastern Nazarene College. And on the 19th, Kirk and Alyssa will describe how the fear works and the profound effect it has on the students as they attempt to live in the future and navigate through their financial world. And the topic on January 26th will be annuities and living benefits with Mike and Justin. Sounds cool. Sounds like a family show, doesn't it? Doesn't it really? And this is something new. Um, Kirk... Reed, our favorite son-in-law. Yes, <laughs> he's just a joy and very smart guy. Will uh, be be doing a class at Hanover High School in the adult education program. It will be called Financial Planning and Investment Education. Kirk Reed is a certified financial planner with McNamara Financial. His topics will include stocks, bonds. Uh, diversifying your portfolio, and participants will investigate these topics and more as they take a high-level look at investing. The the course will be uh, begin Monday, February 11th, from 7 to 8 p.m., $19 fee, and it will be held at the Hanover Community Adult, excuse me, 
I, I have no idea it will be held because that's uh, Someplace somewhere in Hanover, in Hanover. Oh, no. probably, probably at the yeah. high school. That's going to yeah. be my guess. That, that announcement warms the cockles of my heart. I <laughs> yes, uh, because did a whole lot of that yes, a long time did. ago. <laughs> it was deja vu. It was so Mar wonderful. Let's see, Cohasset and Hingham and Situate and Duxbury for, oh, for a long time. For a long time. Yeah, when I was getting started in this business. So, folks, uh, you, got, you know, if you live in Hanover or nearby there, uh, you know, you can get to meet Kirk. He's a great guy, uh, and he's he's all also got a great sense of humor. Uh, yes, he does. And, He's and, very uh, witty, you know, so I mean, it'll be fun. You know, and, and you might even for nineteen bucks, priceless. Oh, That's what I say. Hello. Priceless. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. So the deal here, folks, is uh, we, we're going to try to do this show in uh, four distinct half-hour sections, so that when we post post it on our website, I'm called. Call, it's a podcast. Podcast. Okay. Yes. Yeah. A anyway. Uh, when we do that, okay, it's a lot easier for somebody to go to a half-hour section if they want to listen to a specific topic. So on this, this is podcast number three yes. of our show, 2019, The Numbers, and we'll be spending most of this on retirement plan contributions, Ooh. okay, and the important stuff like how much do I need sort of a thing. So we're going to kind of have some fun with this. So that's, okay. that's the general topic. So have at it there, Lady Pamela. All right, well, let's just toss in. This is a call-in talk radio program. So if you have any comments or questions, anything Mike can answer for you, please give us a call at 781-837-4900. So let's get into it. Retirement plan contribution. What are the different kinds of retirement plans and how much can you contribute? All righty. Well, it depends is the official answer, but I need to kind of explain some concepts here so that people know uh, uh, and understand. So I'm going to discuss tax deductible, tax deferred, and tax free. Those are three uh, phrases that uh, everybody should be familiar with uh, when it comes to choosing the appropriate kind of retirement plan that you're going to contribute money to, okay? Yes, so, and, and I just want to ask, so can you, can you do all three types? Like, is there some things you can put into deductible, some things, or do you just have to choose one? Uh, it's possible to do a couple, but you can never do too much of a good thing. They kind of put limits on that. I'll explain. So, so yeah, maybe is okay. the answer. Yeah, All right, okay. so you'll explain Yeah, that. so need, need to explain it. Folks, this is important. Tax deductible, tax deferred, tax-free. Okay, so tax deductible. Okay, if you put money in a tax deductible retirement plan, okay, what that means is, okay, uh, if you put a dollar in there, two things happen. Your income just shrank by a dollar, okay, and you just invested a hundred cent dollar. Best kind of dollar to invest if yes. you can. Okay? okay. So when you when you say tax deductible, it comes off of your gross income and it reduces your tax bill. Okay, I'll 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 make up a simple example. If you choose to put $4,000 into a tax-deductible retirement plan, and I'm going to make up an example that you're in the 25% bracket, okay? So first of all, I just shrunk my income, okay, by $4,000, okay? Okay, I 
didn't have to pay $1,000 in taxes on that, okay, uh, or said differently, okay, I invested the 100 cent dollar because it was the taxes weren't taken out of that okay so that's the for most people that would be the first choice and the best choice tax deductible there are limits and I'll get into that okay tax deferred okay okay you may put money into a in a retirement plan that may or may not be tax deductible but, okay, it could be tax-deferred. So what does that mean, okay? It means that you put money in, okay, and if it was a tax-deductible retirement plan, I put $4,000 in there, I just do it one time, okay? So, so that's, that, that's like pre-tax money, and it just comes off your... Your, your gross yep. tax. Okay. Your, your, your gross income. Your okay. gross income. Yep. Okay. So let's just do one $4,000 investment forever. You put $4,000 in, it grossed $8,000. Okay. So first of all, it was a deductible contribution, the 4000 Okay. And, okay, you deferred that 4000 that it grew. You okay. deferred paying taxes on that. Okay, uh, along the way. So in that case, it was an example of being tax deductible and tax deferred. Okay. At the end, you pay taxes on everything you take out okay. at your income tax bracket at, at the that time. point. That, that, that is correct. Okay. Mm. Okay. You, there may be some people who aren't eligible to do an IRA that's tax deductible. So if you put $4,000 into a, a, that you couldn't deduct, well, you had to pay taxes on the 4000 didn't come off your income, but the earnings would grow tax-deferred, and that would be something. So okay. tax-deferred is not as good as tax-deductible and tax-deferred, but better than a stick in the eye, okay? And then the last one sounds like the best, tax-free, okay, ah. uh, as in no taxes. Okay, so... So with those generic descriptions, now we can kind of hop into the different kinds of retirement plans, okay? And I'm going to take the outline a little out of order because I think I should probably talk about uh, official employer-sponsored retirement plans first and then get into individual IRAs second. Okay. Okay. So... So, okay, so the, the first uh, bunch of retirement plans we're talking about here are tax-deductible and tax-deferred, and they're company, or they're, they're, you do it at your place of work, okay? There, there are three different basic numbers or types of plans. They all function exactly the same, okay? There are 401k plans, okay? Okay, if you happen to be a teacher, okay, or something along those lines, you probably have a 403B plan. And if you happen to work for a, a, a local city, state, or town, you may have a 457 plan. They, are, they all are tax-deductible and tax-deferred. They function exactly the same. It just kind of depends on who's eligible. So in 2019... Okay, if you participate in a 401k, 403b, or 457 plan, and you're under age 50, 
you can put up to $19,000 into that plan. Okay? If you are over age 50, you get the bonus. Okay? Uh, It's called a catch-up provision, and you could put up to $25,000 of before tax, so tax-deductible and tax-deferred money, into those retirement plans. Those numbers, folks, they get adjusted, uh, you know, a bit every year, okay, with inflation and all that good stuff, but but that's what they are. So once again, you can put up to $19,000 in, and it doesn't have to be a percentage. Theoretically, if you earn $25,000, you could put in nineteen. sort of a thing. Well, good okay. luck to you. Yeah, you I, I that, understand. Yeah. Okay. So You're anyway, minimalist. So, so those are the official employer Respond, you know, retirement type plans, 401k, 403b, 457. If you're under age 50, you can put up to 19,000. If you're over age 50, you could put up to 25,000. Okay, I, I did a little math to kind of get people encouraged. Okay, so let's pretend you're, uh, you're just getting started in life and you're 30 years old and you want to put away some money. Okay, um, okay I, I took, uh, if you're under age 50, $19,000 is your maximum. Okay, I divided it by basically 12 months. It's $1,583 a month, okay? Uh, and if you could invest that money at 6%, so basically $19,000 a year divided by 12 at 6%. For 30 years, uh, it's a million five ninety-three. For 20 years, it's $733,000. And for 10 years, it's $260,000. Okay, so whenever you do a retirement plan, folks, earlier... It's better to be poor and young and put away money than it is to be older and wealthier because you don't have as much time to let that compounding work, okay? So those are corporate, okay, or or state or town or municipal type entities, okay? So now I want to talk about regular old traditional IRAs, okay? And we have two versions. We have the traditional IRA and we have the newly created a while back Roth IRA. So okay. tell us the difference just okay. to go over yep, that. Yep, going to do that. Okay, so a traditional IRA is tax deductible and tax deferred. In answer to your question, okay, there are people, they have some limitations. If you're putting X amount of dollars into your 401k, you may or may not be able to do a deductible IRA. There are some rules okay. about that. Go talk to your accountant sort of a thing. Yeah. Okay, it's possible, okay, or it not. But anyway, so a traditional IRA, if you don't have a retirement plan, you can do a traditional IRA that's tax deductible and tax deferred. And by the way, okay, the contribution is 6000 if you're mm-hmm. under age 50 and 7000 if you're over age 50. Okay, so a traditional IRA Okay, can be tax deductible, depending, or it could be just tax deferred. You know, you may be putting a bunch of money in your 401k and you still have some extra money, and even though you can't deduct it by putting it into an IRA, you could still put it into an IRA as after-tax dollars and defer the interest sort of a okay. thing. Not as good as the both of them, but better than the stick in the eye. Okay, a few years ago, they introduced the concept of a Roth IRA, okay? And a Roth IRA is basically 
after-tax dollars put into an account that grows tax-free. By the way, if you put $6,000 into an IRA that's deductible, okay, and I'm going to make this up, you're in the 33% bracket, okay, okay, you, you save $2,000 on taxes, or, or better said, okay, you know, you, you get, uh, well, that, that's, I guess that's the best way to say that. You, okay, it cost you six to save two, and that was a good deal, okay? Well, okay, uh, in, in the traditional IRAs, I just lost my thought there, I'm sorry, I'll have to move on here. Anyway, but bottom line is, that's how traditional IRAs work. They're either deductible or, or partially deductible or not at all deductible, but they're always tax deferred. That kind of depends. The Roth IRAs, after tax dollars. What, what I like to say, if you're going to save, if you're going to put $6,000 into an IRA, it only costs you four because you save $2,000 in taxes. Okay. Okay. That's yeah. where it would go. Okay. So, so, you know, if you put $6,000 into a deductible IRA, it only really costs you four. Well, a Roth IRA is different. The $6,000 you can put in a Roth IRA. You already paid taxes on, so by the yes. way, it was eight thousand before you get down to the six. Okay, to put what it in you there. had left. Okay, so it's after tax dollars, but it grows absolutely positively tax free. Pretty cool. It grow- so when you take it out, though, yeah, no taxes. No taxes. Oh, oh, okay. How do you like them apples? I do. Yes. All right. So, so n- now I have to. Uh, I'm, I'm, okay, so so those are the descriptions. Yeah, I want to spend a little time now going into, um, I'm on, uh, yeah, uh, just basically some comments that I have on these things. Here, yes, okay? all uh, right. So, so, so here's... <clears throat> what are the comments I'm going to go have? off to a little bit of a tirade here. I'll be, I'll be as polite as I can. All right, okay, I'll steal so, myself more. Okay, so, so most people when they retire, in fact, a significantly large percentage of people are retired, is their tax bracketed retirement higher, lower, or the same? Oh, will they stop working? Well, probably I guess low. people would like to think if they're going to be lower tax. Bracket. Yeah, probably lower, right? Yeah. Okay, so so higher while you're working, lower okay. when you're not. All right. So so which one do you want to do? Do you want to do you want to do a deductible, you know, before tax contribution now? Okay, let's say while you're in the 25% bracket and then pay taxes on it at 10% later. Or do you want to put money in a Roth IRA and then have a tax-free later? Right, well, you're, you're earning less. The Roth sounds good, doesn't nope. it? Nope. No? Okay, then that's a misconception. Nope. Okay, so if, you're, if your tax bracket's lower in retirement, you want to save money at 25%. Well, are you talking deduct- about? Are you talking about? You're still going to be funding this Roth IRA? Is that what you're asking no, me? No, I'm, talk- I'm talking about a retirement plan. Okay, if, if you're if you have a retirement plan at work, okay, okay, and you're, and you're in the 25 percent bracket now, and you're going to be in the 10 percent bracket later. Okay, so you, you'll just you probably want to do a tax deductible 401k. So you're saving money because then. Because you're saving money at 25%. And then you're paying you're less paying when you... 10. Okay, so, okay, so for the vast majority of folks listening to us right now, 
okay? If you're planning on being in a lower tax bracket in retirement, that's the vast majority, you want to do the deductible plan now and pay taxes at a lower income tax later on. At a lower rate, All okay. Right? So then with that reasoning, why would most folks do an IRA? Why would most folks do why, a Roth why, why, IRA? A Roth IRA. Why, why would anybody do an IRA? Roth IRA. I don't know, because you said some people can't do an IRA. Okay. Nope. I don't okay. know. <laughs> if, <laughs> and a lot of people don't. Okay. <laughs> the, the, okay. Uh, I, I, you know, I think the Roth IRAs, pardon this, pardon me, were kind of a scam on the government's part to raise tax dollars. Okay. It makes oh. no sense to do a Roth, for most people, to do a Roth IRA at 25% and save taxes at 10%. That's just, that's just not, make, makes no sense whatsoever. If you're going to be working in retirement for a long time, like certain person in this room, if your tax bracket in retirement is going to be about the same, well, then I can make a case for you doing a Roth IRA just because it doesn't matter. If you, if you avoided taxes at 25% or, or pay, paid them had tax-free, it, it doesn't matter. If your tax bracket's the same, whether you do a, a deductible IRA or a Roth IRA, it doesn't matter. If your tax bracket's lower, you want to do the deductible while you're working. That just makes sense. Okay, so here's the question. Can yeah. a person do... An IRA, can they fund an IRA and a Roth IRA in the same year? Okay, only to the total of $6,000 or $7,000, the limit. My point is, most folks listening to us should be doing deductible retirement plans. And if you want to do a Roth IRA and you were eligible, <clears throat> do it on your own above and beyond. the. You know, put as much as you can in the retirement yeah. plan. If you've got some more money, open up a Roth IRA. Sure. But great. you can... But you can only fund, you just said, up to 6000 That's correct. Or 7000 if you're Seven. over age 50. Okay. Okay. There are some know. circumstances. Oh, oh, hold it, though. Yeah. I, isn't it with the Roth IRA, though, can't yeah. you take money out of it with, if you need it without penalty? Wasn't right. that yeah. one of the... F five years. You have to have a Roth IRA for five years, and you have to be 59 okay. and a half years old. So yeah. when... I think I recall now when they first started doing this, they were saying you could use it for medical expenses without penalty or you could use it for college expenses yeah, that, without penalty. Yeah, there, there are some provisions like that in any IRA. That's correct. Yep. In any IRA. Yep. Yep. Oh, okay. Yep. So, that, so that doesn't make the Roth IRA special. Nope, nope. The, the Roth IRAs are good auxiliary retirement plans for a bunch of folks, maybe. Okay. Uh, they're good if you're going to be in the same tax bracket. In retirement for a while, uh, <clears throat> sometimes we have folks who retire <clears throat> and they're going to live off of cash for a while and be in a low tax bracket. We might actually have them convert part of their retirement plan to a big Roth that, that year. So Roth IRAs are specialty investments, and it really bugs me. The people who can qualify, there, there are limitations to how much income you can earn, and then you can't do an IRA, a Roth IRA. Oh. <clears throat> well, so let me think about this. The people who could really use them oh, can't qualify can't. for them. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the people who are mostly buying them don't need them. Okay? <laughs> there, I, there. I've said it again. Oh. What can I tell you? It, it's weird, okay? It sounds terrific. Oh. I, I think it was a government scam to get people to do Roth IRAs and keep their tax, taxes up, but that's just me personally. There are some good uses for Roth IRAs, I'm, I'm, but generically okay. speaking, not a whole but lot of people. But it doesn't benefit a great many people. Yeah. yeah. 
I see. It, wow. It, it, it's pretty simple. What's your bracket now? What's it later? Pick. Okay. Okay. So do you want to go on to your ne- the next topic or take Ooh. a break? No, I want to... Uh, how wanna, much do, I, do you let's need? Let's see. I want to do the how much do I need. Okay. Okay. So, so anyway, so ve- very quickly, okay, if you're doing a retirement plan, make sure... Don't forget about the match. Most companies will give you a match. If it's if you put in X amount of dollars, they'll give you free money. Okay, you are out of your mind if you don't put in at least enough money in your retirement plan to qualify for the match. Okay. Um, by the way, people say, how much should I put on a retirement plan? If you don't have a certified financial planner and a comprehensive written financial plan in place you, and don't know how much you need, save at least 10% of your income from day one and 15% is better. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Uh, and, and another thing, okay, uh, people say, how much do I need? This is the big retirement plan question, right? And how much do I need? Let's see. Uh, I'll, I'll meet some folks every once in a while. I think I need a million dollars in my retirement plan to be okay. Okay. Well, that how much for do how you... Long? Yeah. For, well, yeah. that's a good, that's a good oh. question. Okay. So, you know, you should have a plan in place, folks so that you know how much you have to put in your retirement plan to be okay. Most people don't. But okay. if you had a comprehensive written retirement plan, you'd know how much you'd have to be saving in your retirement plan to live happily ever after. But but the how much do you need, I, I, I just get the biggest chuckle out of this. Okay, uh, let's see. I read in the newspaper or I, I'll meet somebody. <clears throat> Once I get to a million dollars, I'm set. And I'm saving enough money in my retirement plans and I'm earning X of my dollars. And I'm on track when I'm age 65 to get a million dollars and I'm going to be okay. And I, I have to chuckle and very be very polite uh, when I say, well, that's half of the problem solved, but there's another half that you're forgetting about. Okay, how big does your pot have to be really depends on how much money you're going to take out of it every year, doesn't it? Yes. Okay, we, we have okay. folks in our practice we know who okay. are over 70 years old who have maybe $100,000 in a retirement plan. And they're moaning and groaning because the government makes them take out their required minimum distributions because they don't need the money. Okay, we have people with seven or eight or nine hundred thousand dollars in a retirement plan, and they're taking out a hundred or hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. They're in big trouble. How big is your pot? Okay, and how much you take from it, folks? Those are the two calculations that you have to do. And I will close this podcast basically on the, you know, how much do you need? Well, how big is your pot, and how much you're going to take it, take from it? Those are the two factors you have to weave into that. Okay, for discussion. Okay, and so it's time for a break. Already. Hey, Papa, you have to stop talking so we can take a break. Can I have my ice cream now? My daughter wants a pair of shoes that have those little wheels built in to make them skates. I told her she has to wait until her birthday, which is 167 days away, an eternity for a six-year-old. This idea of delayed gratification is all too uncommon in our society, but is an underlying theme with the clients that I work with. Not many people can build a nest egg and thus a secure financial future by being impulsive. This is Alyssa McNamara-Reed with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. Give me a call if I can help you with your delayed gratification, which I'm sure will be worth the wait. You own a business or you're running a nonprofit or a municipality and you just might be somewhat overwhelmed with all the changes in state health care law, federal mandates, rules governing retirement, employee benefits. For instance, 
Do your employees understand the value and costs of their current benefits? Oh, and by the way, what about tomorrow's changes in state and federal policy? Keeping up is a full-time job. You have better things to do. Gallagher Benefits of Boston and Quincy are benefits experts. To be somewhat formal, Gallagher Benefits offers strategic consulting that assists employers in providing wellness and health promotion programs and offers advisory services to provide insight, understanding, and answers. Let Gallagher handle the headaches. Visit the web at AJG.com. Leave the aspirin on the shelf. AJG.com. Hi, this is Mike McNamara with McNamara Financial Services in Marshfield. Most folks don't have a good understanding of their investments or investment strategy. Well, if you would like to do a little homework, we'll be happy to give you our thoughts on your investments. No strings attached. It's worth an hour of our time to have the opportunity to meet you. 781-834-2010 or McNamaraFinancial.com. This is Mike McNamara. This show is for folks who want to get more educated about their financial affairs. We figure that's just about everyone listening. If you have a financial advisor, hopefully our discussions will make you feel that you're being well cared for. If you don't have a financial advisor, hopefully our discussions will be helpful to you in finding a good one. By the way, we think everyone should have an independent financial advisor who is a certified financial planner practitioner and who at all times acts as a fiduciary on behalf of their clients. That means always acting in the client's best interest. Always. That is our humble and biased opinion. McNamara Financial Services is an independent financial planning and money management firm with offices in Marshfield and Chelmsford, Massachusetts. We are a family business. My son Justin, daughter Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and son-in-law Kirk Reed are my business partners. Justin, Alyssa, Kirk, and I are all certified financial planner practitioners. Alyssa, Kirk, and Justin will host just about half of the McNamara on Money radio shows over the course of this year. The senior partner, that would be me, will host the other half of those shows. I have been doing this radio show since 1990 and figure I deserve a Saturday off every once in a while. McNamara Financial Services is a registered investment advisor. That means that we are required by law to act as fiduciaries for our clients at all times. Even if it wasn't a law, we think it's a good way to run a business. So sit back and relax. Give us a call if you like at 781-837-4900. We promise to be polite and answer your questions in English. It might even be fun. We're back and you are listening to McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. This is Pamela McNamara sitting in with Mike McNamara this morning. And we are discussing taxes and numbers. And before we get started, uh, next week's radio program will be, uh, the topic will be Smart with Money Fair show. The Smart with Money Fair show is uh, program is actually something that's held once a year for the senior class at Marshfield High School. 
It will be on January 30th this year at Eastern Nazarene College. And Kirk and Alyssa Reed will describe how the fear works and the profound effect it has on the students as they attempt to live in the future and navigate their financial world. And the following week, January 26th, the topic will be annuities and living benefits with Mike and Justin McNamara. And lastly, Kirk Reed will be... Uh, teaching an investment adult education course entitled Financial Planning and Investment Education. He's a certified financial planner with McNamara Financial, and he is our son-in-law. Our favorite son-in-law. Our favorite. He is my very favorite. <laughs> Some of the topics will be what is a stock, what is a bond, how, what determines their growth, what's a diversified portfolio look like. And in this course, Participants will investigate these topics and more as they take a high-level look at investing. This course begins in Hanover on February 11th from 7 to 8 p.m., and the fee is $19. And actually, you can find out more information um, on the HanoverSchools.org uh, website, and they're on Facebook. And this will be done through the Hanover Community Adult Education Program. It sounds really good. Already, so, go Kirk. Yes, so give us a call. Again, this is a talk radio program. 781-837-4900. And now we're back with Mike and our, this is our, our fourth section, our fourth podcast section on yeah, miscellaneous little, numbers. This is going to be a little scary and a little fun. Uh, oh. So folks, I, I spent a fair chunk of time doing this. I'd never done this before, but I, I, I pulled, I, I spent a, a day or so on the internet. <laughs> it must be true if I found this well, information on the internet. But anyway, there's a whole bunch of numbers sites. that I think uh, some are scary and some are really funny, and we're just going to kind of have some fun for the next half an hour or so. So the first four or five minutes will be serious stuff, but we'll get a little loosey-goosey here I, in a while, okay? And I, I think it's really interesting that you consider this, oh, this is the fun part. <laughs> well, well, yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. All right. So it's, you're going you're gonna to do the talking, and I'm just going to comment Oh, gosh. Here, okay? I'll let you go for this. Go ahead. Oh, gosh. Okay. So... You're going to start with Medicare? Well, actually, costs? let me explain that. You yes, might, okay, please so, do. So if you're on Medicare, folks, okay, uh, Part A is hospitalization. It's free. Part B is doctors and other stuff, and you pay a bill for that. Most folks in America, okay, pay a Medicare premium of $135.50. That's the 2019 number. If you're single and make less than 85000 or if you're married and make less than 170, that's your Medicare premium. That's it, it for how, how? When do they take that out? Every month? Every paycheck from your Social Security check. That's correct. Okay. Okay. I uh, yes. Okay. I see. Anyway, so in other okay. Words. <laughs> if, if you if you make more than those numbers, you pay proportionally higher. And by the way, okay. Part D for Medicare. Yeah. Okay, is the drug coverage, and. That depends on the particular supplemental plan you have. But across the country in 2018, average Part D plan was 34 bucks. So just kind of a number people might find interesting. Okay. okay. And then there are some health care costs, okay, that, that are scary. So the scary stuff is early on here, folks. We'll, we'll have a little bit more fun in a while. But, okay, so, okay, an average single person's healthcare costs, and I think, what, what year was this? This is 2016. I guess they're a little slow compiling figures, but close enough. In 2016, 
A single person paid on average $321 a month or $3,852 a year, okay, for a health plan with a $4,538 deductible. So average health care cost, almost 4000 bucks a year with a $4,500 deductible. Okay, so... So explain the deductible. That's got to come out of that's out of pocket yep. before you have any to spend of this kicks that in. Before some of that kicks in. Yep. Okay. And then if your family average cost for a family Ugh. was literally ten thousand dollars with a deductible of almost eight thousand wow. dollars. Okay. Uh, so pr- pretty expensive, uh, as as people well know that. Okay. Right. Um, I, I also um, got some long term care costs in Massachusetts. And folks, I was all over the internet for these numbers. Uh, I didn't bother citing references because you can Google it and double check and, you know, don't take these numbers to the bank and do an action on them. But they're all pretty darn close. And the idea is to okay. just give you some ideas about things, folks. They they don't need to lead to any actions on, on your part, please. But anyway, the, <clears throat> these are scary numbers. Okay. So on average, this is Massachusetts, and this is courtesy of the Genworth Insurance folks. I thought I'd do a footnote on these. Okay. okay. You know, folks who, you know, are older and, you know, and live alone, they need homemaker services. Yeah, but there are different levels of services for long-term care assistance. Yes. So this is Massachusetts numbers, okay? Homemaker services at home, $58,916 a year. All right. And that's just, that has doesn't include... Health. That's not person's not a health aid. No, They're no, just no, coming that, that's in. That's next. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's a general taking care health. of your house. That's maybe right. Doing yeah, your you, shopping. You got it. So homemaker. Home health aid. More. You know, skill to towards that. Right. Okay. Sixty two thousand and five dollars. Okay. These are twenty eighteen numbers, folks. Okay. Adult daycare. God, who did you ever think we'd have adult daycare when we were growing up? But adult yes. daycare, seventeen thousand three hundred and thirty-two dollars. You know, and if you think about this, you've often mentioned that you know uh, people in our generation they raise their children and then they have their parents who need care. But yet you're still working. Yeah, it's called the sandwich generation. Right. Yeah. So that's where that adult daycare. Yeah. Yeah, um, so a, adult daycare. It fills that need. Yep, yep, $17,332 on average in Massachusetts. Okay, assisted living, and we can verify these numbers because we have nu- n- numerous clients in that. Okay, $65,940 a year, $5,500 a month, plus or minus. That, really? that, that's just and that and residence. that's, that's even not, scales up too, depending yeah, on how yeah, much. Yeah. So yeah, they you know, b- b- basically, assisted living yeah. average yeah. of sixty, almost sixty six thousand dollars a year. Okay. Now, now you know we we're going up in the care spectrum here, folks. But, right. Uh, if you're in a semi-private room in a nursing so home in, in Massachusetts, hundred and forty four thousand one hundred and seventy five dollars. Wow. Wow, for the year. Yeah, wow. for the for the year. Right. Yeah. And if you're in a private room, it's 153,300. Wow. Okay. Th- those are humbling numbers. Okay. They are. Um, you know, fo- folks, these are just costs that you should be aware of or think about or try to prepare for. Uh, you know, what what can you do about those? 
save lots of money uh, by by insurance. Uh, you know, there, there's any number of things, but the reality is, is very difficult to avoid. those costs, but they are absolutely staggering and uh, just really scary numbers. So once again, homemaker, I'll I'll round it off, almost 60,000. Home health aid, 62,000. Adult daycare, 17,000. Assisted living, 66,000. Semi-private room, 144, 175. And a private room, $153,000 a year. Okay, um, what can I do about the cost of long-term care in a nursing home? You can buy insurance if you can afford it. It's ridiculously expensive, okay? And or maybe you can protect some assets by doing some kind of stuff with an attorney. Maybe not. Kind of depends sort of a thing. So just... Yeah, you know, know, personally, I always have a hard time when I see these advertisements and on the television they're talking about protecting your assets from the nursing home yeah. like like it's not like your they're stealing it well yeah. they're taking care of you and yeah. who should pay for your care yeah. 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 you know but however i'm not in that position maybe it would be different yeah, or I I, I, I I feel exactly the same way it's it's your life it's your money if you didn't prepare for it uh, like it, why why shouldn't why, you why, use your why assets should, why should somebody else pay for you right okay, uh, yeah but that that's there you go all right uh, why don't you read the college numbers there dear this will be oh. fun Okay. okay. So these are college costs. And okay. these are these are from uh, so, so 2017 the, to 2018. Yep. So yep. So a private average. college. These are average. These are average for. Yeah. Is this for Massachusetts? Nope. It is, I guess. Country. Nationwide. Yep. Okay. So approximately forty-seven thousand dollars a year for a private education. All right. Uh, almost twenty-one thousand for. To go to a public in-state college, uh, UMass this year is twenty thousand, almost seven hundred. Is that in Amherst or is that the whole system? I wonder. I don't uh, know. I think that's probably in. Well, that's probably the whole no, system. Maybe in, in, Am- in the Amherst, probably with room and board because there are some. Oh, that's still a good deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, and as if I like you to wanna... say, there's no beer or computers in that number, but other than that's a good deal. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and if you're an out-of-state student and you want to go to one of the um, one of the UMass campuses. Or one of the public state colleges, it's $36,000 a year. Yeah, I mean, the, the numbers are just truly frightening. By the yeah. way, folks, this is per kid. You know, let's, let's, yeah. let's just do the math there. Okay, so a private school at $46,000, let's call it $4,000 a month. Right. Uh, Okay. And a public in state is twenty thousand. Yeah, about like maybe seventeen hundred dollars a month. I mean, just silly numbers. Uh, Well, you know, and that's the the gross cost. That doesn't count any. Oh, doesn't count the fees. They keep. I think. Yeah, that's right. The latest thing is keep the. Yeah. Keep the tuition and the room and board sounding low, yeah. and then they have to get the money somewhere, yeah. so it's all in fees. An appearance fee, you know. <laughs> <laughs> just, just making it up. Okay. <laughs> appearance fee. Okay, college You appeared? Oh. $1,000. Okay. So this is college debt, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay, I'll do that. Yes. Okay, uh, so, so across the country, mm-hmm. okay, Student debt totals one point five two trillion dollars. 
Honestly, oh. I don't know how many de- uh, I don't how many commas that is, but one point five two wow. trillion dollars of student debt, and that's across forty four point two million people. I didn't do the math because I'm not sure how many zeros that's involved, but it's a whole lot. So across the country, one point five two trillion. And then 44 million people. Divide that in terms you get your average. Okay. So um, th- th- these are some 2016 mm. average college debts from different states. Okay. I'll do Massachusetts first. The average Massachusetts resident student outstanding debt is $31,563. Okay. Okay. Okay, that you know that, that's not, you know that's not that's average, mind you. Okay. So uh, is that over four years a student has incurred that yep, much that debt? That much debt. Yep, that's the okay. average debt, and that includes all, highs and lows, obviously, and whatever. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So Massachusetts is thirty-one five sixty-three. New Hampshire. This surprised me. Thirty-six three sixty-seven. Oh, yeah. That yeah is it seems like you know I don't know I don't know the income levels in Massachusetts versus New Hampshire, but that does whatever. And then. I, if, I think our grandkids should live in Utah. What do you think? There we go. We can all ski at Alta. There you go. Perfect. Okay, maybe we can work something all out right. that. All right. Let's do it. Okay. Okay, Utah, 19975 oh. 20, 20 you know. So it, I wonder if they have just a lot more um, aid available or just lower, a lot lower college costs. Who, who's to know? I think those Mormons are doing something well, right out there. I, I think guess. once you get away from the coast in this country, things get the, reasonable things anyway. Go down. So you yeah. know, who knows, right? Yeah. Okay. So anyway, uh, so those are those are student debts. Okay. Now, okay. The the, the next are parent debts. <laughs> They're called parent plus loans, and I'm going to get off into a little tirade here. So just bear with me here. But so there's 3.2 million parents in this country who have college loans for their kids, okay? There's $87 billion, that's the total, and that's an average of $16,000. That's in 2014. That's so a- there's $87 billion of total parent debt outstanding yeah. in this country? Yeah, yeah. Okay, the, the average, now this is good for the country, was sixteen thousand one hundred dollars in two thousand fourteen? Okay, here, here's the number. In two thousand fourteen, eight point eight percent of parent borrowers had more than a hundred thousand dollars of outstanding student debt that they were responsible for. Okay, so here comes the tirade. We get to the fun numbers here in a minute. Well, maybe not. Here, here comes the tirade. Okay, so. Okay, we complain about our our student and our parent debt problems. Okay, okay, when it comes to applying for a parent plus loan, so okay, okay, you can any parent can apply for the total cost of that uh, that college per year. Okay, for a student. Okay, okay, let's assume there's no scholarships or whatever, but the total cost is forty thousand dollars. You can apply for each year a $40,000 loan to pay for your kids, hopefully, four-year college education. Okay. Okay. And the qualifications for doing that are you can breathe and sign your name. (laughs) Okay? There are no underwriting requirements as to whether parents can actually afford 
the loans, okay, that they had. So Remember, this is, must be federal then, okay, right, from the must, federal must government. Must be. Free stupid is, money. Is, Free okay. stupid. Yeah. Okay. M- m- must be. Yes. Okay. You know. You know. We got ourselves into this. You know, by, by the way, we got ourselves into the mortgage crisis a few years ago, because the government relaxed lending standards because they wanted everybody to have a, a home, and so for some strange reason, people who couldn't afford homes qualified right. for them. Well, we we've done ourselves one better when it comes to borrowing for college. <laughs> You don't need any money. You don't need any <laughs> qualifications to borrow. It is absolutely well. stupid and astounding and ridiculous. And again, anybody who gets into that pickle, I, I'm sorry. I don't have any sympathy for that. You know, we're all responsible for our own actions. If you're dumb enough to borrow a whole bunch of money you can't afford for your, I, I, I hope you're not. But apparently there are some people who do that, and I'm sorry. I just have a big problem with that. That The government, oh, we'll, we'll just make it so that there's no qualifications. Well, you know? well here you go. We're at, they're out the government's $87 billion. Yeah, yeah there you go. Eh, we'll just you write know, that off old. sometime. Yeah, well, the rest of the people <laughs> will no, pay. Probably not much hope of yeah, collecting. Yeah, I'm a victim on the parent loan yeah, thing. I, I, yeah, they, 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 they duped me or whatever. All right, oh, so. Wow. All right, so, okay, this is your department, weddings. Okay, the, the, <sighs> folks, we got some really kind of cool numbers here for the rest of the show here, I think, anyway. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. The average cost of a wedding in the United States is just over $33,000 for one day of fun. One day of fun. <laughs> Although now we have big, <clears throat> we won't talk about these big three-day weddings. With the chocolate fountain. Here, right? <clears throat> oh, you have to. Do you get and here? Do you get a chocolate fountain for $33,000? I don't know. You might have to. Okay. I don't know. In Boston, here you go. You want to have a wedding in Boston, $40,700. Hmm. On the Cape Cod, (laughs) wait a minute. This is odd. $55,000 to have a wedding on Cape Cod? Maybe in the height of the summer. I don't know. Destination wedding or something like that? Maybe. I guess so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. In Manhattan, I'm glad I don't have any more children. Seventy seven thousand dollars. for a wedding. Oh my God. You better hope they stay married to get your money's worth, right? In New Mexico. Yeah. Oh, there's the place to have it. Uh seventeen thousand six hundred dollars. And in Mississippi, sixteen thousand dollars. Okay, think, that's the average yeah. wedding. I have no idea what that what I, average means how many people or yeah, where I understand. you have neither it neither do or... i but i thought it was... so i, I think, I think it's kind of neat though yeah. yeah look at that we'll have to talk to the kids about moving to mississippi and talk to there Kirk you and go Joseph and get out of manhattan yeah. if okay. you well, possibly yeah, can manhattan's almost seventy-seven thousand. mississippi's under 16 000. yeah i love it okay. yeah okay and the average cost of an engagement ring in 2018 <laughs> was seven thousand eight hundred dollars <laughs> what did they say it's uh Thirty, is it like thirty-three percent of your? There's some number that people figure for an engagement ring. Like I didn't know that. Three months salary oh, there's, or there's something. Like, there's like something rules? like that. Three I didn't months know that. salary. Oh, wow. or... Three months salary. Yes. Okay. All right. So the next time I go out and buy another another engagement <laughs> ring, I'll keep I got that I, in mind. I did. I didn't know okay. that. Okay. I've learned something today. <laughs> now, now this this just is very simple. Divorce. Yeah. So. Tell us what you mean about that. It says fifteen thousand dollars. That means just your lawyer's the, the fees. The cost of the proceedings. That's correct. Oh, for each participant. Just on average, yep, across the country. So it'll yep. cost a couple thirty thousand yep. dollars before they divide. Yep. You know what they are. Wow. Yeah. Well, you got to think about that. Yeah, and, and the yes. and that range is from a thousand to a hundred thousand. 
But folks, the 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 cost of the proceedings is nowhere near the, the, the cost co- of the divorce. Right. So you 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 just can't take a hundred percent of your life and divide it in two and assume it's going to work. You know, that, that way. It's just, yeah, it, it's. You know, stay, the only reason we're happily married is no. Okay, th- <laughs> <laughs> for uh, how many years do you say low you the, always low these many years? Okay, yes, but when you're complaining, okay. you the years we've been married always go yeah, up. It's a, it's pretty safe to say that for the vast majority of folks, there's no financial winners in a divorce. Just a kind of a tough place to be. So yeah. choose wisely, folks, as best you can. Okay, so how about uh, charge card balance in this country? Is that the average? Six thousand, almost seven thousand dollars. By the way, that's a household charge card balance, seven grand. As opposed to what? Do you Zero. Call? Oh, okay. I mean, you said household. So for family, okay, a family, for a family is carrying yeah. about seven thousand dollars in debt. Two or three charge cards involved there, something like that. Okay. Yep. yep. Okay. 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 Average new car cost. Uh huh. $36,000. Yeah, $36,000. That's a 2018 oh. number, actually. Yeah, Average new... How many months' salary is that? Is there rules for that, I wonder? I don't know. <laughs> how good do you want to look in your car, Yeah, think about that. Um, $36,000 is the average new car cost. Go figure. That was, that was more than our first brand-new house. <laughs> yeah, I know. I remember. <laughs> 29 That was nine. a screaming deal. <laughs> <laughs> Moving along. Moving along. The average household car loan is twenty eight thousand dollars. Cost thirty six on average. Loan twenty eight. Wow! So they. Okay. Oh. Okay. Wow. Yep. The average household mortgage, one hundred, almost one hundred eighty five thousand dollars. Yep. Okay. Family. Oh, an average family of four vacation cost forty five hundred dollars. Ooh, yeah. If you go to Disney World, it's way more. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, now the next one, I want you to read carefully and we need to okay, spend some time. Okay, I'm going to read that. this. <laughs> oh, I want to say right off. Okay. This doesn't apply to us. The average yearly cost to own a, a healthy dog, let's yeah. say that. Okay. Okay. Which we don't have. Yeah. Is one thousand. Two hundred seventy dollars. That sounds. That's like, a, like a monthly cost. Say that's for like Dash. a monthly cost. Yeah, <laughs> <exactly. Okay. laughs> for his many doctors. Twelve seventy to own a dog, folks. Specialized food. Yes, yes, yes. The oh, the average yearly cost to own a cat, a kitty, is one thousand dollars. All right, you don't think about that though, because you can't put a cost on the love. No, no, priceless. <laughs> Again, this is here's this next one. I know this is low. Five hundred dollars yearly grandchild expenses. Forty percent. Okay, you have this is. Yeah, yeah, I don't I, get forty percent of what? Okay, ARP did a survey, and forty percent of nineteen hundred and four grandparents said oh. that their yearly grandkid expenses were more than five hundred bucks. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. Re- re- oh, because they have, yeah. and some of these. Grandparents have children living with them. Yeah, Re- read the next two, and I'm going to do the last few. So read the next two pretty quickly. This is a scary one. The child care cost. Yeah. Just, just How much does it cost? cost you to own a child from birth to age 17, not including college? To almost two hundred thirty-four thousand dollars. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. And, and then eighty percent percentage of parents that have covered at least a portion of their eighteen-year-old. 
plus child, child expenses. 80%. 80% oh. of parents are helping their kids oh, with yeah. things. Oh, definitely. Okay, folks, we're just about out of time. We're going to do a very few quickies here. Average Social Security monthly check, fourteen sixty-one or $17,000 a year. Oh. Average retirement age, 62. Okay, uh, 20 years, life expectancy of a 62-year-old male. 22.81 years, life expectancy of a 62-year-old female. And $192,800 is the average 401k balance for someone right. between 60 and 69. You did it. Folks, my name is Mike McNamara. This is McNamara on Money. Thanks for listening. Have a great day and Happy New Year. Happy New Year, folks.